Hey, it's Misty and Liz. We're two women who don't know shit about literature, but we love to hang out and talk about the books we've read. And everything else on our minds. So get cozy, grab a drink, and let's get started. Hey, we're back again, fresh off of Thanksgiving. Did you get to enjoy your food this year? I did. I did. I tasted it. I felt good. I took a really nice nap right afterwards. So Misty's absolute favorite meal of the year is Thanksgiving. And last year, she got Corona two days before Thanksgiving. I did. The taste thing lasted through (laughs) December. So then she didn't even get to taste it on Christmas. Nope. What was the thing that you missed the most? Dressing and those amazing birthday cookies that you brought me since I was a kid. One of my favorite treats are Hostess cupcakes with the little white swirly things on the top. And last year on my birthday, her family showed up on my porch with homemade Hostess, where they cook, they were cookies, cookies. right? With the little swirly things on top. Couldn't taste one of those damn things. And I even swirled them like into the shape of a heart. I, the little yes. doodle on top. Yeah. Those were good. I need to make those again. Those were <clears throat> Well, delicious. my family loved them, so. I even made homemade fudge rounds last year. They were big, right? They were big, and yeah. you could only eat half of one because they were so rich, but ruined on regular fudge rounds. I had a lot of time on my hand during COVID, so I baked, like, every single day. So Liz is a really good baker. She's good with a KitchenAid mixer. I'm good with a recipe, which is um, why I'm not a good cook. I do better cooking. I would love to bake. This I think pie. you do one or the other. I think you're yeah. either good at following a recipe or you're not. There's a pie that I make every year, but it's half baked harvest on Instagram. She's is there wheat in it? No, but that's a um, <laughs> file that away. But she's um, her name's Tegan, and so she's a I don't I don't she she cooks baker cook while she's high. Is there I, wheat I anywhere in here? Why would you be named half baked unless you're like I haven't thought about it. Are you high? No. <laughs> but she, there's this, it's a chocolate molten crackle pie and it's got mm. like coffee in it, like espresso. And so I made oh. it last year for Thanksgiving. And you couldn't taste couldn't it? Couldn't taste it, but everyone said it was so good. So I made it this year and I had some and I was like, damn, so good. <laughs> so I can make that because yeah. it's basically like I don't do the crust. Mm-hmm. And then it's like some eggs and sugar and all that kind of stuff in a bowl and you pour it in. Now you're done. So I can do that. Yeah. But a cake, I made Elliot's cake, like cake mix. Mm-hmm. Oh, look, I'm not above a box cake mix. I think uh, they taste better than a lot of homemade cakes, to Liz, be when I opened the refrigerator, because it had, like, quote-unquote crumb coat on it on there. Yeah. Well, it's not, it was Duncan Hines. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It fell out of the refrigerator. <laughs> oh, my God. Fell out. <laughs> Slid off the thing and was so resting like, against. Well, let me go to the grocery store. No, we ate it. Oh, there was still some left in the refrigerator, so we ate that. Okay. But that I works. I think I put it in there too warm. I don't know. I fucked it up. Well, I'm excited because I traditionally do not like Thanksgiving food. I know, weirdo. <laughs> I don't like it. So I refuse to eat it for Christmas because, like, I just ate that shit. And oh, I don't oh like my it. God. I just had it a month ago. Not ready for it again. I could eat dressing every day and be perfectly okay with it. So... Like, we left Thanksgiving, and I was trying to get my husband to stop at Jack in the Box to get me a cheeseburger. And they have curly fries. Oh, my God. Burger and fries. I mean, Jack in the Box is not good, but see, that tells you how much I don't like Thanksgiving. I know, but why? 
Because mm, I love burgers. I think I burgers and fries. This is my order. Burgers and fries. Burgers and fries. <laughs> burgers and fries are my, it's like my number one. If I were on death row, my final dinner is burgers and fries. My second favorite would be gumbo, but not like from a restaurant. Like I, I need gumbo. homemade gumbo. And then just gravy fries. I so, love a potato. I feel like you've thought about this. I think about it all the time. Your death row meal? Yes. Think about it all the time. You don't really? think about it? I mean, I have, but I don't. Is this is probably a like, conversation that my husband and I have at least once a week because I need to remind him that I need burgers. I mean, I've thought about it. I don't have like a, a first place, second place, third place. Well, bitch, get one. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what mine would be. I, um, hostess cupcakes. That's not even a meal. Uh, that's fine. To be quite honest, I think I'd be too nervous to eat. <laughs> I mean, you're about to die. Are you going to throw about up? About to die. I, I feel like I don't think I'm going to hold anything down. I mean, like, there's nothing to be nervous about. You're going to, wait, wait, don't put the needle in just yet. Like, they're not going to listen to you. If you're about to die. Well, enjoy it while you can. You got minutes to live. I'll, you know what? Okay. Superior. Just take me to Superior. Superior Grill? Yeah. So you can get a margarita? A margarita and some of their, like, they have a seafood cake. Femesa for margaritas? Yes, that. I'd have a couple of those, get totally shit-faced. And then I'd probably drink, because, like, when I drink, I do eat a, I do, like, eat a lot. Me too. They've got so, a really good steak. They do. So I'll have that. I'll have, yeah. Okay, Superior, put me down for that. Okay. So, Superior, if you're listening, you can sponsor my death row meal. Yep. Knock on wood. I will never need it, but. Okay, so now it's like we're, we're done with Thanksgiving. We're on to Christmas. Do you watch Hallmark movies? No. I never watched Hallmark movies before. So, both of our birthdays are in December. Mm-hmm. I think a couple Decembers ago, I might have gotten a little drunk and was kind of hungover. So, the next day, all I did was lay on the couch and I t- had Hallmark on for no reason. Never watched it in my life. Mm-hmm. And it was so amazing because I could fall asleep in the middle of one movie and wake up to another movie and it's like it all just kind of picked up. It's like the same. That should tell you something. It's so predictable. It was like comforting to know that like I wasn't missing anything. So they have this podcast called Hallmark of Greatness and they kind of take you through a Hallmark movie. It's like Mystery Science Theater 3000 for Hallmark movies. I love it. (laughs) Yes. So they just like make fun of things that are happening, and they're just like, now why in the fuck would they do that? I was listening to their pumpkin pie wars or something, and he, they say that somebody looks in the oven, and he can tell with his eyes that it's the right temperature. He's like, mm, yep, time to put the pie in. <laughs> <laughs> Such a uh, um, mystery it, science theater 3000 comment. I, I, Died laughing. I love that. I need to listen. You need to do. So now I don't even want to watch the movies. I just want to listen to their podcast making fun of the movies because it's all the same shit we're thinking. What an awesome idea for a podcast. Right? Amanda. Samantha. Susan. A successful yet single big city. Florist. Illustrator. Cake designer. Goes back to her hometown for the annual Christmas boat race. Ice sculpture contest. Jam festival. But something's not right. Her benign yet critical parents match her up with her old childhood flame. Peter. Simon. Derek. Who writes a song about her? Is a veterinarian. Can use power tools. Despite an early rivalry. Plentiful establishing shots. Some big, big salad. It looks like romance is on the cards. Join Anthony. Craig. And Joe. Your guides through the bewilderingly fast Hallmark Universe film extravaganza. One film at a time. Have you seen the TikToks where they make fun of the Hallmark movies? No, but you did tell me about them. Oh, my God. I mean, there's probably 
there's so many, but they're all the same, but they're also funny because they're all true. Right, right, right. It's like all the same tropes and uh-huh. just putting different tropes together. Mm-hmm. Have you listened to any other good podcasts? Not recently. Um, well, no, I take that back. Operator. Ooh, what's that about? Uh, A 911 operator? No, even better. Oh, the, what's better than that? The 900 number uh, operators from the 80s and the 90s. Hi, it's Leslie. You know uh, what to do. Yeah. Oh, okay. Stick it in your credit card, that is. <laughs> That's part of Yeah. Oh, my so God. So it's called Operator. At first, I was like, mm, I don't know. But it's Wondery. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I listen you to Bunga Bunga. Oh, okay. It's like about an Italian politician, TV star type thing. Wondery does a good job. Wondery's awesome. It starts, it you know, goes all the way back to like the early, like late 70s, early 80s, and how like phone sex started and like what companies they focused on this one particular company that was like dominating that industry and the things that they had to go through, like the government and all these like how to get established as like a real business. And right. Stuff. And just how things people weren't taking them seriously, but they were actually really ahead of their time when it comes to technology and stuff. And, and just like kind of behind the scenes of like phone sex, which look, the show's racy, but it's super interesting because there have like some interviews with some people that work there and everything. And like shout out to those women. Have you ever oh, yeah. tried to like be sexy on the phone? Okay. First of all, I'm not good at being sexy. I'm not good at being on the phone. I'll text. We'll do that. I'm just not sexy. I'll, I mean, no. Like I, Now I'm awkward? Saying, I can give you awkward all day. Oh yeah. If you want to just sit there and like. You want me to like look at you and burp? Right. Yep. <laughs> I got that. You want a resting bitch face? Oh yes. Is that the you want? <laughs> I'm your girl. Yes. I think oh my gosh, I did released. boudoir pictures a few years ago. Uh-huh. And she's like, give me like a little sexy, playful smile. And she was immediately like, okay, no, just close your mouth. <laughs> oh my God. I've thought about doing those boudoir pictures. You but should do them. Yeah, right. The pictures are amazing. No, and that's the thing is everyone that I've seen of somebody, like there's not, no such thing as a bad one. Uh, th- there's not. Like it's it doesn't just- matter how thin or fat or muscular or how much cellulite you have. Mm-hmm. They make you look beautiful oh yeah everyone is just the most amazing beautiful woman you've ever seen and that's the point of it it's celebrating women and celebrating your body and loving who you are and appreciating who you are right now whether you're 65 or 23 no i've thought about i would love to do it just to do it i mean obviously i would give the pictures to my husband but yeah we have ours just like in a box in the closet because like are they super scandalous no no i mean they can be as like scandalous or tasteful as you want well some of them I've seen on Facebook. Now, if I do it and I get a picture back and I look now like freaking hot face picture I, and your makeup looks amazing. That's, your that's absolutely going to be like my new like slack photo for work. Yeah. <laughs> my profile picture. <laughs> Did you know our grandmother was like a hometown hottie? For what? Playboy? Yes. I like legit wanted to be in Playboy for a second. Oh, I did too. I think every, well, I th- <clears throat> most, I think most, for some reason, not little girls, but They like, told me that my smile wasn't sexy enough. Oh, you actually like. No. I, I, was, <laughs> no. Like, I was like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> they were like, never mind, close your mouth. <laughs> Just sit, sit there and look pretty. No, I think that's most girls. Whenever you kind of feel comfortable in your body. Yeah, I like think. early, like late teens, early 20s. Yeah. Like when you're in the about bed whenever. and you get like your Playboy bunny sticker on your hip, you know, whenever you tan. Whenever you tan? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. No, I did the heart. I did. I've done the heart. I've done the Playboy bunny and I've done the double heart. Oh, yeah, where you take, you, you the, take um, the inside the out, inside out yeah. of the sticker. I love a tan in bed and I know they're oh terrible, but. It's therapy. It's <sighs> heat. It's quiet. It's. Oh, 
the most and I still relaxing do it. dry. You do? I'm not, I don't go to the tanning bed every single day. Oh, I go outside and I lay in the sun. And it's been kind of chilly lately. So I've gone outside and just sat in the sun wrapped mm-hmm. up in a blanket. I just need the sun on my face. It makes me happy. Seasonal affective disorder or affective disorder as it's properly. Oh, yes. Called. You did write an article on this. I did. They <clears throat> recommend like those sun lamps. Mm. And um, like I know a in, lizard. Yes, like on a rock. I'm gonna get me a, a rock and a right. heat lamp. There you and go. like a little plastic pool of water and some kale. Right, you're just gonna stand real I'm still. I'm just gonna lay on it. You're gonna stand real still. And everyone's gonna say, Is she dead? And they're gonna poke <laughs> at you and they're like, No, she's not and dead. And then I'm gonna blink one eye. Right, just one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're gonna have one arm up. Yeah. And then you're gonna come with like some tweezers and a cricket. Yeah. And I'm gonna- <laughs> Exactly. I'm going to get that That's thing. exactly what we're – that's exactly it. How did we get here? I don't know. Okay. So – I'd be like, I'm an island girl. <laughs> oh, God. We were talking about that last night when we were – I'm oh obsessed. My. It is so stupid. What? And those those little boys that are doing it, they're oh, – bless their hearts. You're obsessed like in a – I'm obsessed like, like I wake up my kids way? and I'm like, it's time to go to school. Got to get up, girl. And then my daughter is sleeping and rolls her eyes at me. Mom. Would you like some food? <laughs> Gonna eat this dude. <laughs> it doesn't matter. It just needs to rhyme. It doesn't matter what it says. Have you seen the, like, the Louisiana version when he had like nat- natty light hands on his head, on his brain? I'm a redneck man. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like got a chicken. Yeah. And the chicken's got pipe cleaners <laughs> as hair. Oh my so God, dying. These island boys, they look like <clears throat> they smell really bad. Uh, that's what I told oh, my right. daughter. And she was like, well, how can you see how they smell? And no, I'm like, they look like have you seen Post Malone? Yeah, oh, he definitely stinks. Post Malone has got to smell terrible. Oh, I love him. I love him. But, oh, yeah. Um, He smells bad. He has to. Got to. There's no way that dude smells good and that he's clean. Also, I'm kind of obsessed with teeth. Any kind of like things on your teeth, I'm like not. Like gold teeth? Not down for could, it looks like it, like you're gonna have, you know, how blood. Well, you know, how blood tastes kind of metallicy. Oh yeah, it like a, seems like a like, metal straw. It seems yes, yeah. It seems like it would your mouth would taste like that, and then also food would get in between your, like your teeth. diamond parts, like your diamond bits. Yeah, food yeah. would get in there and rot. Yeah, yeah. So I like, like I'm, that. I can't with any kind of teeth. I mean, surely if you have like diamonds in your in your in your grill, you're not using like an Oral B toothbrush, right? Do you like get that in like your real teeth? No, they file your teeth down. No, okay. See, I'm out. Like, okay, oh, nope, nope. nope. Like, do you remember American History X? Bite the curb. <sighs> Has Ed Norton, the friggin' asshole. the teeth. Like, yeah. I mean, that was a terrible movie, but that's uh, yeah, what I remember from that cur- movie. Oh, that's the only thing I remember from that movie. Well, it's a great movie, by the mm. way. But even if I whiten my teeth like a couple of days in a row and they get a little sensitive. Mm, that's why I can't chew ice. Oh, you shouldn't do that. It's terrible for your teeth anyway. Okay. okay. How did we get here? I don't know. Okay. okay. Do you want to start on this book? Okay. Yes. The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. We are the last ones on the planet to read this book. We are. And we really missed out. We did. It's such a... Okay, go ahead. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about it. You going to tell us about Taylor Jenkins Reid? Yes. She's known for her novels, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo, obviously, Malibu Rising, and Daisy Jones and the Six. I have wanted to read Daisy Jones and the Six for a while because it's supposed to be all dialogue. Do I have that correct? Yes. So it's not, there's no like backstory. Or, yeah. It's, it's just, just the dialogue. Yeah. 
And that is so intriguing, but I have not read it because I, I want to know, should I listen to the audio book because it's all dialogue mm, that's interesting. or should I read it? And I haven't gotten like a solid answer. I don't know. That's a, that's a good point. I do know that the reviews that I've read on it, because at first I was like, oh, this is going to be our next book. But mm-hmm. some of the reviews are either like four stars or no stars. Like That sounds like the perfect book to talk about. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So yeah, because it's it's loosely based on Fleetwood Mac and when they recorded Rumors, which is um, oh my god, Fleetwood Mac love and Rumors, so good. <sighs> okay, best. well we should definitely read that book at some point. We'll like put it on the TBR list. Okay. So Malibu Rising, I don't know much about. I've it's, heard it's, it's really good. Really, I know the cover. It's blue. There's somebody on a float. Yep. It's. Mm-hmm. I think. I think I've steered clear of it because you know my beach read. I can't do it. Speaking of beach read. We won a copy of Beach Read on Instagram. Really? We did. Awesome. We've won a couple of books on Instagram Tell so who? far because, you know, this podcast is really raking in the dough. I mean, it's very lucrative. I, I've and had to quit my job and... I know. I had to sell my house and buy a mansion. I mean, I, I drove here in a Maserati. You drove here? You should have got your driver to well, drop you. It's Saturday. And you could have had champagne on the car. I did. While Cut. I drove. I dwove. <laughs> I dwove dwark. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, the only book that we've received so far, because we won two last week. I'm going to have to figure out their Instagram handles so I can, like, properly shout them out next time we record. Shot them out or shout? I don't know. I'm going to say shout? shout them out. Yeah. Did I have champagne on the drive over here? I don't know, but I don't think we should talk about shooting anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we got My Heart's Playlist by L.J. Held, and I have not read it yet. It's a pretty hefty little book It is a It is a thick, a big, chunky boy. It is, but look how cool this is. The chapters are songs. How cool is that? I know. And I thought that that was so cool. I see cool. Carly Rae Jepsen listed there. Oh, let's see. Is it Call, Call Me There's like Maybe? Imagine Dragons. Wait, where's Carly Rae? She's on the other page. Okay. Is it Call Me Maybe? I mean, isn't that the only song she has? I think that's the only song she's ever done. So I don't even see it. Did my eyes work? Champagne. Oh, This Love Isn't Crazy? This love isn't crazy. So call me, baby. See, they got the name wrong. Right. That's okay. All right, um, LJ. <laughs> right, fix that. <laughs> we found we found a typo. Anyway, I thought that that was, that was really cool. So I'm excited to read this book. No, it looks like a good, it looks really awesome. So Seven Husbands. Wait, did you what? see the dedication? Did I ever see the dedication? Well, it was, so the dedication is what? <laughs> Very good. And what are the other parts of a book? <laughs> the middle and the epilogue. I don't see a dedication in here. Okay. No, seriously. Like, mine has a dedication and I have the same book as you. Isn't it at the beginning? For book? Lila, smash the patriarchy, sweetheart. Oh, you're talking about this? Well, at the end in the acknowledgments. Okay, it's smash the patriarchy. That reminds It's fuck the pa- patriarchy by with Taylor Swift. I was thinking my favorite murder. Don't they say that? I don't know. My favorite murderer, if you're listening, let us know. Taylor Swift also let us know. Karen, Georgia, and Taylor, we need to hear from you pronto. Yes, email us, please. No, I thought it was so cute because at the end, so I meant to say acknowledgement, but I Okay, because see? <laughs> okay. I'm making fun of you for not knowing parts of a book. Anyway, at the end, she says to my baby girl, you were half the size of the, of the period at the end of the sentence when I started and days away from making your entrance when I finished. That gives me chills i know and she's like i know you're the reason like you gave me the reason to finish this book so the very first thing that i thought was oh my god that's the sweetest thing i've ever heard and the second thing was she wrote this book in less than a year right it took me almost all year to read it (laughs) because it's so big spoiler alerts are about to happen if you have not read this book 
Spoiler alert, she has seven husbands. Don't give it away. That's my job. Sorry. So let me tell you about this book. Tell me about how this actually (laughs) starts. There you go. That's how I feel. What? Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. The book starts off focusing on this journalist named Monique Grant. She is living in New York, working her way up, but she hasn't really made a name for herself. She's kind of written like, I don't know, like celebrity gossip pieces. Yeah, she's I think the only real piece she had written was like a right to die piece. So it really surprises her and her editor when Evelyn Hugo, who's like one of the most famous actresses of all times, I thought Marilyn Monroe. No, Elizabeth Taylor. See, I don't know about Elizabeth Taylor. I think I just know she has the same name as me. That's a good observation. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, I think that I'm very the, deep. I think I've read that it's kind of loosely, very loosely based on Elizabeth Taylor because you know Elizabeth Taylor was like um was like addicted to marriage. She okay, I did know that about her, but I still my whole time I thought Marilyn Monroe. No, in my head I had um, Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe she just kind of like melded them together. Maybe so. So it surprises her whenever Evelyn Hugo reaches out and she requests that Monique and only Monique does a piece on her. So Evelyn has not really had any stories come out about her, but her daughter has recently died of breast cancer and she is donating a bunch of her old gowns to breast cancer research. So to kind of like, I don't know, get some publicity, she wants Monique to come and write a piece on her, but she's very specific about wanting Monique, which is weird. Yeah, only her, which is strange because Monique's a nobody in the writing world. So a little bit of backstory about Monique. Her father passed away when she was little. She is biracial. Her father is black and her mother is white. This kind of helps her relate to Evelyn. Later in the story, it comes up why that's important. She's also in the midst of a divorce and she's not really doing well with it. She's kind of got a new job. She kind of got a new job. She does have a new job. <laughs> she has a new job, yeah. So she ends up going over to Evelyn Hugo's house. Can you imagine? No, I can't. Like, like I don't know. Who's the famous actress? I want to say Nicole Kidman. <laughs> oh, okay. So Nicole Kidman calls you and she's like, hey, can you come to my house? Because <laughs> she's Australian. <laughs> Was that a good Australian accent? Nah, no. <laughs> anyway, that's what she says. Uh, but she like, has a jolly good time. That's English. I know, but that's how you sounded. <laughs> okay. She's like, can you come over? Let's hang out. I would be so starstruck. Like, I wouldn't be able to get words oh, out. I'd, like, my armpits would be so sweaty. Well, first of all, I wouldn't answer the phone because mm-hmm. I, de- I, I don't talk on the phone. I text. So if she texted me wanting to. Like, listen, it, Nicole. You'd, like, text her immediately. Nick, what do you want? Uh, <laughs> I would automatically assume that it was, like, some type of. Scam. Did you mean to call me? Right. Um, Monique shows up at Evelyn Hugo's house. But once she gets there, Evelyn informs Monique she will not be doing that small story, but she wants Monique to write her tell-all book. She wants to set her story straight because she claims what the media knows and says about her has kind of all been like a stunt. Mm -hmm. So she wants Monique to write her story and publish it after she dies. And she's very, very like straightforward with that. Like after I die, then you can release this story. Yes. So Monique's like, you know, this is a chance of a lifetime. I stand to make millions off of this book. But on the other hand, what if she doesn't die for like 15 years? You know, like I like I lose my job and I'm just holding on to the story. And what if I die before she does? But she agrees because this is kind of like chance of a lifetime. And she'd be stupid not to. Oh, yeah. So she agrees and she starts going over to Evelyn's house every single day, pretty much all day for the next week, week Week and a half. Evelyn starts telling Monique all about her life, including her infamous seven husbands. So it starts off, it will tell you about 
each husband. But did you notice they had these adjectives before each yeah, well, husband? Yeah, they did. I noticed that. Like, it starts God off. Goddamn Don Adler. Yeah. So it starts off poor Ernie Diaz. I love that because I guess it tells it tells us how we're supposed to feel about them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like how, like how the marriage. Right. I thought it was so cute. I loved it. Uh, that was honestly one of my favorite parts of the book. Right. Agreeable Robert Jameson. It starts off with poor Ernie Diaz. Now, Evelyn had grown up in Hell's Kitchen, which is like a really tough neighborhood in New York City. She had Cuban parents, uh, abusive father. Her mother had these huge dreams of going to Hollywood, but she ended up dying of pneumonia when Evelyn was 11. So she was raised by her apparently alcoholic, touchy-feely dad. She did make several mentions Mm -hmm. of he looked at her too long. Her body developed when she was really young. Evelyn's telling the story herself, and she's like, look, I was hot. Oh, I yeah, had like tips out to here. She's her like, confidence have... level is like off the charts. She she knew what she had. I think at one point she says, look at what I do to these poor boys. And also here is my value, my power, her body. So she uses that body and she hears that poor Ernie Diaz is about to go out to Hollywood to start a job. She kind of, you know, goes over there, flirts with him, and he wants to take her with him. Right. So they get married, and she's, like, what, 14 or 15 at this point? Yeah, like, she's a young teen, but she knows exactly what she wants, and she knows... She knows how to get it. She knows how to get it. She just moves out to Hollywood with this guy. So she starts going to all the places where she thinks that the people that discover you are going to be, and she gets discovered. She got what she wanted. She wasn't taking no for an answer. I like that about her. No, she's definitely grabs everything by the balls. Yeah. Literally and figuratively. She started working at Sunset Studios. I think she said the first movie her and Ernie went to. Ernie? Yeah. Her and Ernie went to. And he thought like, oh, look at my cute little wife in this movie. And she was mad. Yeah, because he didn't take her seriously. He was like, okay, well, you're, you know, you're still just a little woman. So she, that's funny that she said that because then she does little women. (laughs) I see what she did there. But anyways, she gets more roles and the studio wants her to be out and about and seen with other stars. So the studio actually pays off Ernie to get a divorce from Evelyn. Uh And he's just like out of the picture. Okay, so this is where I kind of started to wonder if this is if this really happens, like if studios like set people up, like let me make some calls. And and now I know they they set up photographers, but I don't know if they set people up like, okay, you're going to go out with, you know. Well, okay, so remember... This is like the time whenever movies and stuff are just like really getting big Mm -hmm. and the studios employed the actors and it doesn't work like that anymore. So you have the studios and they've got 10 actors and actresses that are like their big names and they'll put them together to make movies and they pretty much tell you what to do. But now it's more like you're almost like a freelance like you have an agent. You have an agent and they get studios don't work like that anymore. So I'm assuming if you were managing these people, mm-hmm. you would want them to be together so that your movies would sell. You wouldn't want them to go with some other studios actor because then that would be promoting their movies. It would kind of be like if you had a podcast and you were talking about all these other really great podcasts at the beginning. Oh, that would be stupid. That you? would be so dumb. Then we move on to goddamn Don Adler. Oh, God, Don the dick. <sighs> That's what it should be called. So he's already a famous actor, and he's got famous parents, so he's got lots of money. Yeah, he's just a little twerpy thing. Well, at first, he's kind of like suave, debonair. And I thought like, they were like, really? In, like, okay, how is this going to go south? This is husband number two, and we got five more to go. And she seems to fall for him. Right. She seems really, really sweet, like really in love. Well, turns oh. out he likes to hit women. Now, men that hit women are just stand-up guys. Mm-hmm. You know, if they apologize... 
They'll probably never do it again. She said she still feels the need to stand up for him. Like maybe it was her fault. Yeah. Somehow. Like maybe she did do something. But I think one of the first times was he wanted her to stay home and start having kids. And she's like, absolutely not. Like I didn't do everything that I've done this far to have it all taken away from me. Because I I don't want to be a mom. I want to be an actress. At the same time, she's actually filming Little Women. Yeah. With a few other actresses, and she ends up getting really close to one of the actresses, Celia St. James. Then they start helping each other out mutually by Celia needs to be more famous. So if mm-hmm. she's seen with Evelyn, that will increase her star power. Right. And Evelyn, while she's beautiful and she can act, she's not a great actress, but Celia is. She is. So Celia's teaching her how to act in exchange for Evelyn kind of raising her star power, which is kind of a good good move there. I think if Dawn had not been hitting Evelyn, she wouldn't have gone to Celia. No, yeah, I think you're right. So her and Celia start a relationship. I think there was a quote in here that says, people think that intimacy is about sex, but intimacy is about truth. And I think she had that with Celia and the intimacy about the tr- with the truth brought on the intimacy with the sex. Right. Because Celia was, she was a lesbian. She was a lesbian. Evelyn hadn't been with a, a woman at this no. point. According to the book, she's never even thought about it. She loved. Because she knew how to get to, in, to men. So she ends up with Celia. I think at a party, she ends up making out with Celia and then Don's off cheating on her. So they're both cheating on each other. She goes... She gets a a producer to bring her home, Harry. Mm -hmm. And then the next morning, Harry goes and drops her off at her house. Dawn's not there. So Dawn's Dawn's ended the relationship, which is great for her because she didn't want to be with him anyway. But not great because Dawn is a dick and he blacklisted her. So now she can't make movies. She gets the house. Right. And I think she gets some of his money, but she doesn't care about the money. She wants to be famous. She wants to act. Right. And he takes that from her. But... Evelyn Hugo is Evelyn Hugo, and she rises again. She does. But her and Celia, they're together. I think they're kind of staying at each other's house and apartment. Mm-hmm. They're still kind of trying to keep it secret because this, like is not a, up, this is not a time when you can be gay. No, apparently the cops can arrest you. That is insane to me that that happened. And I thought she was being dramatic, but apparently not. Didn't they used to send people to, like, psychiatric hospitals yeah, to like cure you, them, in right, quotes, cure them? Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, did you ever watch Nurse Ratchet? Yes. Uh, I had to stop because they were putting that poor lady that in lobotomy like lobotomy and stuff. Oh, I didn't know about that. Yeah. They put the lady in the boiling hot, like they mm-hmm. would boil her and then immediately move her to an ice bath because she was a lesbian. Yes. Oh I, my god. I, I couldn't. It, it was like it angered me. It was a good I show. I stopped watching it. I cannot watch stuff like that. I can't do it. Demonic. Now, you could just say, oh, we're going to do, like, tell me. Mm-hmm. But I don't want to see it. Oh, no. Ugh, those images. Anyway, after a while of them being together, Evelyn decides they kind of need something to throw throw the reporters off their track. Mm-hmm. So she develops this, like, publicity stunt to to marry Mick Riva. So it's gullible Mick Riva. He's, like, a rock star type that... And he's in love with her. Mick Riva? Yeah. No, no, no. Oh. So Mick Riva is this, like, rock star type that wants to be with every woman. He's pretty much putty in her hands. She masterminds this whole idea to get to Vegas for the night and get married, and then she's going to sleep with him, but she's not going to be good at it so that he wants to get the marriage annulled. If she does that, then people will be like, you know, Celia's just a friend. Evelyn's... Because she grabbed her hand. Right. At the concert. He was in love with her. Well, he... Yeah, I, I mean... I, I don't think he was in love with her. He, he was infatuated with yeah. her, and he wanted to sleep with her. Right. So he was willing to take her to Vegas, mm-hmm. and he wanted to sleep with her so bad that she said, I only sleep with men that I'm married to. So he was like, let because me take you to this little it was chapel. All, it was all a ploy to let people know, that, no, I'm not gay. 
So after all this, Celia and she live their best lives for like two months until Evelyn discovers that she's pregnant. And I guess Celia, lost in translation, didn't know that she was going to actually sleep with Mick. Right. So this is too much for her. She can't take it. Celia leaves. Evelyn has an abortion. Her life is pretty much like her personal life is pretty much in ruins. After this, we move on to Clever Rex North. What husband is this? Four. Husband number four, Clever Rex North. Now, Rex North is this handsome up-and-comer, kind of a bit of a player. She said he was the kind of guy who was so beautiful it was boring. They were in Anna Karenina together, and she wasn't really interested in a relationship, but she knew if they were seen together because of the way the studios worked, it would be bring their star power up. It would get good sales at the box office. And the it movie, worked. The movie would be a hit, and it, it did work. Right. So they created almost like this legal contract of like, we're going to live together. We will have separate bedrooms. We will not sleep together. And they didn't. Like, there was no, none of that. Publicly, they would leave the house. They would hold hands. They would be lovey-dovey. And she said, I don't care if you cheat on me, but do not get caught. Right. Because, you know, obviously, you're going to be doing some things. I don't expect you to abstain or anything. Right. But do not get caught because that will ruin us. And he's like, okay, cool. Sure. Eventually, he finds someone that he actually does care about. It's one of her old acting friends, Joy Nathan. She ends up pregnant. And he wants to, like, And he wants be to a get family. married. Yeah. Be a family man. He wants to do the right thing. Pure Evelyn Hugo devises this ploy She's going to get the cameraman to catch her and Harry, her executive producer. Uh Executive producer? Like, Um, is he Ryan Seacrest? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he was like, he's like our best friend. They're like like besties. They're going to get caught making out so that Rex North can leave this marriage. She's going to be the bad guy. She's going to be the bad guy, but it'll also kind of like raise their ticket sales. So she's, she's a really good businesswoman. She is. And what's crazy is that. As I'm again, as I'm reading this, I'm thinking, does this stuff would this stuff like happen like present day or is this just like in a book or is there stuff that's happened like obviously have raised someone's like star power? Yeah. You know, like I mean, oh, I'm sure tapes. like uh what is it? No publicity is bad publicity. Yeah. But I don't know if anything's been done on purpose, like purposefully. Oh, One thousand percent. So Rex is now gone. Then Harry tells Evelyn he is in love with John Braverman. So Harry and Evelyn have been the best of friends since day one in Hollywood, basically. They pretty much tell each other everything. They really care about each other. Harry is very much in the closet, but also widely known amongst everybody right. that he's gay. I but mean, again, it's, which is strange because, like, he's in the closet, but everybody knows. You know, he's more behind the scenes. He's yeah. not someone that can go to the grocery store and people are going to recognize him. Right. So it's not as big of a deal as if Evelyn were gay. Turns out he's been seeing John Braverman. Who is married to Celia St. James. James. So Evelyn figures out that Celia is actually not in love with John Braverman. It makes her happy. It makes her happy. She's excited. Her relationship's a stunt, just like Evelyn's was. And she flutters. Flutters in her chest. And she's like, oh, okay. Well, maybe I have another shot. Esposo numero cinco. Brilliant, kind-hearted, tortured Harry. Harry and Evelyn decide to get engaged. That way... Harry and John can be together, and Evelyn and Celia can be together. And I mean, honestly, could it be more perfect? No, that sounds amazing. Their whole little life just sounds so... They live in New York. They're rich as F. All four of them are like a little family. Yeah, they're, they're like, like the, they're the double up. daters. Right. I liked this 
a lot because it's the same deal as Rex. They're married to kind of keep keep the press off their back. You know, same same deal. But I do feel like this is her deepest connection with anyone. Oh, absolutely. Besides Celia, maybe even even more than Celia. Yeah, it was more. It was I don't know. It was more of like family love. It seems like for a long time, the four of them have like a really good life together. They do. So after seven years of marriage and this lifestyle, this like amazing best life they ever hoped for harry and evelyn decide to have a baby and i kind of think this one was always on the table wasn't it yeah this was always on the table but evelyn started she was like in her mid to late 30s and it's kind of like at some point you're gonna have to you can't wait forever to have a baby right and they didn't want to adopt they didn't want to adopt they wanted their own child after their daughter connor was born they were just this one it made me think of modern family oh for sure I love that show. That yeah, show is so, so well funny. written. So I know. funny. It's so it is so funny. I can watch that show two or three times and like find new jokes because they're so just funny. they're so well written and kind of like offhand and uh-huh. like one liners. Oh, oh, absolutely. Love That's that so show. Good. But then Evelyn ruins everything by doing a love scene in a movie with Don Adler. A very graphic <sighs> love scene. And after she does it, she asks Celia if it's okay. It's kind of like asks for forgiveness instead of permission, but she asks for permission. And she didn't get it. And Celia's gone. She can't take it. The Mick Reva thing mm-hmm. broke her. She didn't really like it with Harry, but she understood that the end game was to have a child. So she right. dealt with it. But then this really graphic on-screen with love her ex-husband. scene with her abusive ex-husband was just Ancelia I mean, come on. Think, okay, Evelyn. You just fucking shut up. But the thing is, she had just had a baby. You know how unsexy you feel after you've had a baby? Yeah, even I hear, what what year is it? 13 years later? You just feel so unsexy. You're matronly. You feel like no one will ever look at you like you're beautiful again. And her entire life was based on her sexuality at this point. That's how she's gotten anything good. So I think this was her just reclaiming her life. I mean, as far as like career-wise seem to do it she just didn't mean to wreck her life in the process her personal life she's just her own worst enemy just with so many things Celia's gone I think Celia leaves and gets a divorce from John Braverman right so that's basically her divorcing Evelyn yes I think that divorce hurt her more than any of her own divorces because that was Celia saying all of you are out of my life now so it was it was Evelyn's fault so when when Connor's five John Braverman dies of a heart attack, and the whole family is just kind of broken. Harry Especially is, Harry. Harry drinks all day. He's still a good father, but she knows the way to get him out of his funk is to surround him with work and Connor, the mm-hmm. daughter, which works, but he's just crushed. Like, that's the love of his life, and he's gone, and, you know, he'll never be able to love again romantically, right. and he's just, he's just upset. But do you just really feel for him. I think that – so did you cry in this book? No. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I cried like 700 times. Really? Like, turn the page. Like, I was making my notes is, and I started tearing up rereading passages. No, there is one part we'll get to. I okay. mean, a big, a big part, obviously. I mean. I know. Yeah, I did kind of. All right. So moving on. Max Gerard, a director of the movie that she filmed with Dawn and one of her previous movies, eventually proposes to her and says that he needs to have her. He has always been in love with her. Always been in love with her. Talked her into it. This whole thing. Harry wants her to be happy. So he's like, let's get a divorce. We will still be a family. Our marriage has never been about that. Right. So you do you. I want you to be happy. Go marry Max if you want to. So she does. 
She thinks that she can be happy with him, but turns out he just wants to be seen with Evelyn Hugo. He does not want Evelyn Herrera, which is her Wait, given name. And so she's divorced her quote unquote husband, everything for Max, and he's just such an asshole. He just wants like arm candy. Like everyone wants to fuck Evelyn Hugo and I get to. Yeah. It's basically the message that he's he's right. trying to portray. And she honestly had feelings for him. Because he's being such a douche, she ends up reconnecting with Celia. Through letters. She leaves Max, and Celia is now sick. She's got chronic pulmonary disease. Her days are numbered, so to speak. She proposes that she, Harry, Connor, Celia, and her um, her brother her brother all move to Spain or somewhere where they can kind of be out of the out of the spotlight and just enjoy their their time together. Enjoy their time together. Let them have a normal life. Evelyn's just extremely excited about this. And she goes to talk to Harry, and Harry says no. Because Harry is in love Harry, again. He did not think he could ever find another person that he loved as much as John, and he has found it. So they kind of get in a little tiff about it, but they end it kissing each other on the cheek and being like, let's talk about this later. I'll come pick you up later. We will we'll discuss it on the flight back. We'll to make it work. New, yeah, we'll make right it work. work. We'll figure something out. Whatever. So Evelyn goes to pick up Harry to get on the plane, and they see a car wrapped around a tree. Harry's in the car with another man. The other man is dead. Harry's barely hanging on to life. Harry was driving. They throw the other man, who's the already dead. Seat. Yeah, wipe off the steering wheel. Now, let me just stop you right here. I've watched enough forensic files to, to know that wiping a steering wheel with your scarf is not going to get away, is not going to take all DNA evidence out of the picture, so... I think Evelyn should have definitely done her forensic research before she tries to cover up a murder. Just throwing that out there. So she takes him to the hospital. He ends up dying. And this is where I cried. Well, okay. I went. Oh, really? This is where you cried? Yeah, okay. I, I thought it was going to be a different part. Mm-mm, no, this is part was kind of like, oh, so it was, it's very sad. But I mean, I got over it. <laughs> Anyway, so Connor ends up becoming wild after Harry dies. And she knows she's got to get her out of New York. So she. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. What? She's 14 and was caught having a threesome. Did you catch that? Well, I, I said she was wild. I mean, I read that and I was like, what? She's Evelyn Hugo's daughter. I know, but 14 years old? Evelyn oh, she was punished. She's quote unquote grounded for having a threesome. <laughs> what? Okay, well, Evelyn Hugo is someone who says, I traded my virginity at 14 for a ride to Hollywood. Okay, um, she did like she was trying to accomplish something that right, she wasn't right. just having a threesome okay right but having a threesome i feel like is what and she was punished like uh she made a d on a test <laughs> yeah. that's what i was like, like it's the same she like casually mentions it i go into her room and she's you know she's been punished because i caught her having a threesome but i'm like okay <laughs> Either I glazed over that part or just, you know, Hollywood type with a famous mom didn't, it doesn't just, seem too far off. I don't know. I just, I attached to that for some reason. I was just kind of like. It's because you have a daughter who's young. Probably so. I was like, okay. I also have a daughter who's young, but didn't. Eh. <laughs> okay, well. <laughs> anyway, so she gets Connor out of New York. They all move to Southern Spain. Evelyn marries Robert Jameson, who is Leah's. So Celia's name is Celia Jameson, but once she became an actress, it was Celia St. James. It's like another version of what they were doing with Harry Harry and um, Rex. Connor really took to Robert. Robert. She needed a male figure. Really straightened her up. Kind of, not say fixed her, but kind of, it helped her through. She started going to therapy. She lived in Spain where she she could She got to Stanford. She was something right. Her mom probably paid paid them off. 
during this time, Celia and Evelyn have like the sweetest little impromptu wedding ceremony in their bedroom where they pull their ponytail holders out of their hair. Yeah. And this is probably her most meaningful relation. Like her, oh, it this, is. This it is her is. most ma- meaningful relationship of the entire book. And it's the one that nobody knows about. Right. So. Does this the part you thought our crowd? No. Okay. A few years later, Celia actually dies at the house of respiratory failure. So at this point, Evelyn has lost her best friend, Harry, and Celia, both of them basically dying in her arms, cannot. Like, that's too, too many people that have died in your arms that are like your life. Right. And she just falls apart. (sighs) So terrible. She and Robert continue being married. They're kind of... I don't know. They're, they're they're just going with emotions. They're just well. They're they're happy too. Yeah, yeah, they are. So by this time, Connor had graduated college, was living in New York. They stayed married until Robert passed away at eighty one, and then Connor, her daughter, was diagnosed with late stage breast cancer and given a few months to live, and she passed away at thirty nine. And this is the part I thought that you would have cried. No. Oh my God! I'm like I want to cry just saying it. Like, can you imagine? Are you not imagining your daughter dying of breast cancer? Because, like, that's all I can think of. No, because if I start, then I won't stop. Like, WebMD. (laughs) Right, right. So, no. No, I'm not saying that's not sad. I'm just saying in the book, when I was reading the book, I was just, you know what, to be honest with you, I'm going to go ahead and, I'm going to go ahead and start talking about this now. The first, I don't know what, I'm going to say, like, the first 200 pages of the book were great. And then everything kind of started aligning way too perfectly. By this point, I was like, okay, another person's died, another divorce, no, 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 like, what's next? Like, okay. Not that I'm not saying that you can't lose your husband and your daughter and and all of that and, you know, your wife. It was just kind of like, uh, okay. Hmm. Okay. And this is pretty much how it ends. We're back in present day. This is Evelyn's story. Monique is also going through a divorce at this time. She's having a hard time with that. Evelyn helps mm-hmm. her realize that she's not upset about her marriage failing. She's upset about failing. Yeah, it has something to do with a marriage. Nothing like to do with a man. She wasn't heartbroken. Not at all. She just was upset because she's one of those people that has never failed in her life. So failure hits different when you're not used to failing. Right. You this know, was something that's her very first personal. thing. And it was a big thing to, to, to lose that. Now, I'm going to say she was a journalist in New York. So she had to be a badass. You know, like I right. feel like that's probably a very cutthroat. I feel like there's a couple of journalists in New York. But I feel like Evelyn just took her badass and just raised it like 10 levels. She learned a lot from Evelyn in this week that she's with her. And she even at some point decides that she needs more money from her job. And she needs Evelyn to do a cover shoot so that she doesn't lose her job. So she says, I need to Evelyn Hugo, Evelyn Hugo. Which means, like, turn turn the tables on her. So she says, either you do this photo shoot or I'm not writing your story. And Evelyn's like, oh, young grasshopper, oh, how okay. you have learned. Mm-hmm. I really like how Monique grows over this time, although I do feel like it happened really quickly. But, I mean. No, it's a week. I mean, if you're in the presence of Evelyn Hugo, though. I mean, that's a long week. Also, Evelyn reveals that. She's not going to have to wait long to publish the book because she also... She keeps planting these little seeds of like, you're not going to have to wait long. Oh, when you find out. Oh, it's not going to be long. And it's like, would you just freaking say it? So Evelyn has the same breast cancer that took her daughter. So she knows that it's going to be quick. She did it with her daughter. She knows what to expect. One of the last little things that she drops is, 
Oh, by the way, that man in the car with Harry when he died, that was your dad. Oh, and here's this letter. Here's this letter I found in Harry's pocket. Okay, so this is where I was like, okay. Because Evelyn says that, you know, oh, I found you and I found your article with your... Right to Die. Right to Die article. It was so well written. I thought it was very coincidental how Monique wrote that particular article and was the daughter of the person that Harry was with. I feel like Taylor Jenkins Reid should have picked Elaine. At the end of the book, Monique realizes Evelyn is about to kill herself because she doesn't want to go through the whole chemo, breast cancer. Uh, she wants to die with dignity. Right, she on doesn't, her terms. She wants to die on her terms. She doesn't want to die with her hair having fallen out and throwing up because of chemo. So Monique realizes Evelyn is about to kill herself, and she's really torn over whether or not she should go stop her. But she had also written that piece. She had researched it. I think she had even stated herself, people should be allowed to mm-hmm. die how they want to. So in the end, she does not go save Evelyn. Evelyn passes away of an overdose of pills. And that's that. You thought it was too much? You thought it was too coincidental? I thought it, well, yeah. So I think it should have been either or. Either Monique was the daughter of this guy and she happened to be a writer, which would in itself would be a little coincidental. And that's when she tells her, your dad was this person. Okay, that would have been one, you know, like, choose your own ending. The other one would have been, she was the writer of this right to die piece. And that's why she chose her. Okay, I can see that. Okay. I didn't think about that. Combining them, I feel was way too, like, I know it's a book. You do have to suspend some belief, but I get it. If she had picked one or the other, it would have made the ending a little bit more smooth for me. But because she was all these like loose ends that tied together perfectly, there's absolutely no way that the daughter of this guy that she placed in the driver's seat that was dating Harry happened to be a writer who happened to write an end of life piece, who happened to live in New York, who happened to go through a divorce. Well, I love an ending that ties up with a pretty... Oh, I love... I love that. It wasn't even like fate. It was like, it oh, was, I, see, I finished it was the book. like an author wrote it. <laughs> I finished the book, texted you and said seven stars out of five. And I said one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> because I was so mad up until like the end. Her daughter died. It was like, okay. And then when all this stuff at the end, it was like, oh, you're going to find out. You're going to be so mad at me. This is going to happen. Questions will be answered. I mean, you this, are raising like... some very valid points. But as I was reading this book, none of that was brought up in my own mind. And I could not put this book down. Well, for a while, I did think maybe that she was the daughter of somebody that she had hooked up with or something. I thought maybe she was like her daughter or I didn't know, but that kind of came out of left field, almost like an afterthought. Well, when Harry died, I was like, well, what about this other guy? You know, I was wondering like, well, what happened to this other guy? Like, what about him? Who was he? Because this was obviously the man Harry was in love with. And I really wanted to know, but the story progressed in such a manner to where I wasn't concerned with it. Yeah. It was kind of glossed over him and it wasn't a big part of the, right. It was more, you know, this guy's already dead. So she says, right. 
I don't want Harry to die. I don't want my daughter to know that he was driving drunk or that he could have been charged with vehicular homicide. I don't want Harry to go to jail. I need to protect my family. And I think we can all relate to that in some way. We could, but she put this guy in the driver's seat, not knowing who this was and not knowing the implications. And I thought it was an incredibly selfish move for this fake person to do. I mean, throughout this whole book, she's very, that's Evelyn Hugo. She does what's best for her. Oh, yeah. She's completely self-involved. I do like that she knows she was very self-involved. Oh, she acknowledges it and she accepts it and she embraces it. There's something that's, if you don't know you're self-involved, that's one thing. Like you're. But she thrives on being self-involved. She thrives on it. There's something that's just, I can appreciate it more if you know what you're doing. You don't, you're not playing stupid. No, she knows. She, she and she'll knows. tell you that she is. Mm-hmm. As far as the book goes, I loved the book. I, oh, God. I could not put the book I down. I loved the book. I finished book. this book in a weekend, and I am not a weekend reader. It takes me probably one and a half to two weeks usually yeah, to finish a book. Yeah, this took about two weeks for me. So, it was, it would, no, it was a great read. I loved the way it was written. It was I'm just, excited to read more of her books, and I still, now I really. I want to read Daisy Jones and the Six. Yes. We're going to have to do that one soon. I liked the book. It was just the end for me. It was just. I see what you're saying. I get it. It was just a little too, like, too much. Too cultivated. It was just so, curated a little too, too nicely. So who was your favorite husband? Harry. Same. I think everyone would choose Harry. Yeah, because it kind of showed that with her, marriages were always one or the other. Sex or love. Yeah. And they were never combined mm-hmm. other than Celia. But like her right. her husband husbands, that was always one or the other. And with Harry, she kind of got both. I mean, she got a daughter out of it. But it kind of showed her like how human she actually was. Right. She couldn't use her body to get anything from Harry. Right. She wasn't trying to. So she got to just be herself. Instead of being Evelyn Hugo, she just got to be a woman in a relationship. Right. She got to be like... And a mom. Yeah, he was my favorite too. Who was your least favorite? Don. Don I appreciated. I liked the drama. He was like a good... You know, like as far as like a book goes, he was like a good... He was like a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And I think that he was written very well because you could see him changing from one to the other. Right. And you can see how she's grown since then too. So mm-hmm. I, I appreciated him. I think my least favorite was probably Max Gerard. Oh, yeah, because he was a total He just, I mean, I've already said this, but he didn't want her. He just wanted to be seen with her. He wanted. And she gave up a lot for him. He wanted what she would do for his appearance. Yeah. She was all about, like, keeping up with the Joneses for him. And I, nope. And he tricked her. So something that comes up quite a few times is the fact that Celia is a lesbian. She says it several times. She is not interested in men. And she and Celia fight constantly about Evelyn being a lesbian. And Evelyn's like, I am not a lesbian. I am bisexual. And then at one point, Monique actually says to Evelyn when she finds out about Celia, are you okay coming out as a gay woman? Because this is this is news. This yeah. is not something. Nobody knew about Celia. Evelyn claps back with, don't ignore half of me so you can fit me in a box, Monique. Which stings Monique, she kind of is taken aback and she's like, oh shit, people have done this to me my whole life because right. I'm biracial. People have called me black my whole life and they've ignored my white half. Mm-hmm. So You can be both. You can be both. And I think that Evelyn putting Monique in her place on that kind of makes Monique respect her a little bit. Right. And now she's going to write this book and she's, 
it's not going to be, what am I trying to say? She can relate to it a lot more. Monique's not going to stick her in this box now. Right. She literally said, don't do that. So Monique's going to be very careful writing this story. Because now she knows how it feels and she knows what, right. to be, what to look out for. And then one of my favorite parts is where Monique says, does it bother you that people always bring up your husband's? And she says, no, they're just husbands. I think once they know the truth, they'll be more interested in my wife. I know. And I was like, oh. That was in her, um, well, actually, Monique didn't write that article. That was in the, the last final article announcing that Evelyn Hugo had died by another journalist. That's how that article ends. And oh, I started crying again. Oh, <laughs> Which is funny because you never cry and I'm always the one that cries. I know. Oh, look, I'm going to cry again. Oh, my God. Sweet. <laughs> it was sweet. When I, I read that, I was like, doll. I enjoyed the book. So you're still with one star over there? No, no. Okay. I, you were just mad at the time. I was mad at when I finished it because I, I finished it. I got through it. I was like, I'm done. Damn. You're, one star. Okay. Three. Three? Mm-hmm. A C? I, it, it has nothing to do with like the way it was written. Again, I I think the story is super cool. Like, I love the way it went back, like, to the 50s and, and all of that. Uh, you know, I like hearing about that time of Hollywood. Yeah, it was almost like historical fiction for half yeah, the Yeah, and it was, it was really cool. But I'm just not much of, like, I don't say it was a romance, but it was kind of romancy a little yeah. bit. I mean, I would recommend it to people. I thought it was a great book. Mm-hmm. There wasn't too much any humor or anything like that. No, it was definitely not like a funny book. No, but I think I'd probably give it, th- okay, three and a half. I'm giving it five stars. What? I know. I know. Not my type of book. You didn't even do the, give the four wins five stars. I liked the four wins. But I couldn't put this book oh, down. Oh, no, that's the thing, too. I gave it three and a half stars. Couldn't put it down, though. And, like, I love the story. Yeah. And I love the way it was written. And I love the way it was divided up by husband. But I also don't really think that you can compare Kristen Hanna and Taylor Jenkins <laughs> Reid. You know, it's like... Well, what are you saying about uh, Taylor Jenkins Reid here? I just feel like they're very different oh, they authors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like... I've yeah. only read I've only read one book of each of theirs, so what do I know? <laughs> it's just the, the only book I've read by Kristen Hanna is historical fiction. The only book I've read by Taylor Jenkins Reid is kind of like a I just said it was historical fiction. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely not a biography. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I don't know. They just seem like very different, like incomparable books. Right, you can't compare them. Right, they're just very different. But that just kind of it's shows like comparing like... like this book to a Dr. Seuss book. I love Dr. Seuss. Yertle the Turtle, my heart. <laughs> Go Dog Go. Oh, love it. Are You My Mother? Oh, my God. P.D. Eastman. Are P.D. Eastman and Dr. Seuss the same person? I always thought they were. Probably... I always thought they were, too, because the pictures look <laughs> the, the same. The pictures were the same. But I'm not going to compare Dr. Seuss to Taylor Jenkins Reid. Well, no. I probably wouldn't compare Dr. Seuss to Kristen Hanna, either. I would hope you wouldn't. <laughs> I think this, this review kind of sums up a lot of what we just said. Grace from Goodreads gave this book two stars, and it says... This book aggressively disappointed me. That sounds like you. It was a page turner. I'll give it that. And I really do appreciate everything it stood for. The concept is great, but the prose, yikes. I was entertained by this book and it did make me cry. So it wasn't all bad. I just wish as a reader, my comprehension skills were given a little bit more credit. Ooh. So I guess she didn't like the the hand-holding and the kind of spelling everything out. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of, I want to say an elementary read, but it kind of was a little basic. Yeah. Um, it, there, wasn't, there wasn't a lot of, I definitely have, didn't have to break out a dictionary. Oh, God. That, it was see, very that's, surface. That's one good thing about reading on your phone is if you don't know a word, you can just hold it down and the definition pops up. 
I still like reading the hardcovers. Also, my daughter's name is Kaylee James, and I have now started calling my daughter Kaylee St. James. Well, so that there's sounds that. Sounds like a porn star name, doesn't it? <laughs> it does sound like a good name, though. No, it does. I'm glad that you gave it five stars, though, because I feel like up until now you've you haven't really liked. I just really you liked, liked Ocean's Book. I did like Ocean's Book. Ocean's Book was also kind of depressing, and yes. I do not like to be depressed because the thing is I feel like my emotions are very malleable Mm -hmm. so if I listen to too many sad things read sad things my whole life is just in a funk and I need I need like happiness to kind of bring me up I couldn't do two or three ocean books in a row I feel like I could do two or three Taylor Jenkins reads books in a row and very would you say this was a beach read? Yes, I would. It was very lighthearted. You know, you could put it down and then pick it back up and you're not like lost about anything. You're right. not like, oh, did I miss something? Never in this book was I like, did I miss something? No. I guess that's the hand-holding part. <laughs> yeah, I really liked it. I mean, I like legit could not put it down. I was supposed, I had my whole family cleaning. I was supposed to be cleaning with them and I was laying on the couch reading the book. <laughs> well, good for you. Like, mom, are you going to vacuum? Oh, shut up. I'm reading about Dawn. I'm, I'm working. Do you have anything else to add about the book? Honestly, if they had taken out anything about Monique, anything about her backstory, maybe left in a little bit of the divorce. Okay. Maybe made her a little bit more of a human in that regard. The whole thing of like Evelyn searching her out and was too much for you. It was, it really took away from that, like the meat of the story for me. What I liked most about the story was like the actual seven husbands in this, that part of the story Mm -hmm. and like her falling in love with Celia and them staying together. I liked that. That's the part I really liked. But this other like fluff around it, I thought was unneeded. Okay. It took away from it. That's fair. It did make it seem a little bit more like like a stunt. Kind of like yeah. one of, another one of her Hollywood stunts. Right. It was like, okay, now we're just getting silly. Yeah. Okay. So our next book is going to be My Sister, the Serial Killer by Oyinkin Braithwaite. And I picked this book in honor of my sister Yo. who loves serial killers. I do. I do like our faves. <laughs> so that's going to be our next book. I've actually already finished the book. It's very short. It's like, it is. It's a teeny tiny book. It's like 230 pages or something. And then the chapters are usually like a page and a half. So there's a lot of blank space in the book. But all right, that's our next book. I don't even want to talk. Like I was about to say things about it, but <laughs> no, that is not this nope, episode. Because I'm starting it this afternoon when I that get is, home. Right. Just leave it, leave it, leave it. And then what's our book after that? What's our other December pick? Okay, so The Home for Unwanted Girls by Joanna Goodman. Okay, that sounds super depressing. Can't wait to get started on that one. (laughs) It sounds just what I need for the upcoming holiday season. (laughs) It was good. It was a real, it was really good. So you've already read that one. I have. I've read it and it's, it's a big chunky book too. It's right. thick, but it's, All it's right. good. And so I don't remember it being, okay, yeah. It's literally called The Home for Unwanted Girls. There's got to be some kind of depression in there. Uh, I mean. The title is so depressing. Now that I think about it, I think the whole thing's kind of sad. But, <laughs> but if no. I were an emoji right now, I would be that one that's got like just the straight line for <laughs> a mouth. That's what I would Yes. <laughs> okay. And that would be like the one that's like grimacing. <laughs> the drunk one? Yeah. Oh my gosh. All right. So we're gonna, those are going to be our December books. Y'all start reading those. Y'all can follow us on Twitter at Twitter. <laughs> I can never say that. Follow Twitter. us on Twitter at Talk Shitterture. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Talk and Shitterture. And you can email us at Talk and at gmail.com. 
those emails just keep oh. rolling in. I can barely keep up with them. I know. We're going to have to hire an assistant. I really, I want to talk to you about that when we get off. All right. That we need to talk about. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. We'll see you all in a couple weeks. All right. Bye. Bye. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Leave that in there. <laughs> <laughs>